after Tash gave such a good story this morning, I think I might just close with a benediction. <laughs> it was a great job as you did this morning. Let's pray, but not the benediction. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can open it this morning. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to grow in the wisdom and the knowledge of our God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, I purchased a book by Warren Wearsby uh, titled 50 People Every Christian Should Know. It's a terrific summary of how many people. 50. Selected biographies of different men and women, accounts of uh, how they uh, were used by God. And uh, we learn by reading those, uh, that book, or I did anyway, uh, the hand of God uh, in their lives and what God achieved in his purposes. And I would encourage you to beg, borrow or buy, as opposed to steal, beg, borrow or buy um, a biography this year. I'll challenge uh, you to pick up a biography this year. Maybe Martin Luther, or maybe Whitfield, it could be Spurgeon, it could be uh, Hudson Taylor, it could be John Newton, any one of them. Uh, and read their biographies and, and uh, may it be an encouragement to you in your, in your Christian walk. However, to appreciate the life of uh, Saul, who was later known as Paul, we need to turn to the Word of God. And in that we find a great sketch of this great servant, an ambassador and a servant of Jesus Christ. A man, and he identifies himself in Ephesians 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And then in Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel. We find out about this servant of God as we search the scriptures. And we begin to appreciate what he was. And we begin to appreciate what he became. And we begin to see how God's will uh, worked out in his life. And in so doing, we might draw some lessons for our own lives and appreciate even more that the grace and the calling of God in Paul's life is the same grace and the same calling that God brings through his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We're going to consider four things this morning briefly. What he was by birth and education, what he became as a strong Jew, what changed his life and his outlook and what he became in Christ. And then on another day, perhaps as opportunity offers, um, another time you could look at Paul the preacher. You could look at Paul the man of prayer, uh, Paul, the mentor to Timothy, uh, Paul, the man with a great pastoral heart, Paul, the suffering servant, Paul, the proclaimer of God's riches and grace and much more. So there's a lot more uh, in this man that we're going to be looking at today. But in the next slide you'll see, firstly, what Paul was by birth and education. Paul, the apostle, uh, whose original name, as Tass said, and as we read in the scriptures, uh, was Saul, Saul of Tarsus, born around 4 BC. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell how Paul died. Uh, it's told that Paul was put to death by the orders of the Emperor Nero 
around about AD 62, 67, and so he died when he was about 66, 67 uh, years of age, and then he went into glory. The book of Acts gives us an indication of the background to this man. In Acts chapter 22, verse 3, when Paul was talking to the crowd, he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, which is Jerusalem. Under Gamaliel, I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and was just as zealous for God as any of you here today. He had been a Pharisee of the strictest sect of the Jewish people. And later, when he was before King Agrippa, he would say in Acts chapter 26, verse 5, they have known me for a long time. And they can testify, if they are willing, that according to the strictest sect of, of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And we need to note that Paul was so well trained and he was so focused that when writing to the church in Galatia, he could testify, I was advancing Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. And then when he was writing to encourage the church at Philippi, um, he said to take no note of the flesh. In Philippians 3, he stated the reason why that was so, that if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And he lists them, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as to regards to zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. In other words, Saul, later Paul, found his meaning in life and his righteousness through the meticulous adhering to the law. In fact, he says he called himself blameless, and he felt he outshone everybody else. Many people today put confidence in a lot of things. Their upbringing, their education, abilities, but such confidence, as we learn in the life of Paul, cannot bring us into a right relationship with God. And so it is fitting for us to remember that neither infant baptism, nor education, nor church attendance, and such like counts for nothing if we do not have a right focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is our confidence placed? Well, self-examination is always a good thing, that we are walking down the narrow path to eternal life as outlined in the Gospel of Salvation. If you haven't read the book by John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress, and I'm sure many of you have, and in fact, I reread it again uh, some months ago, and I was encouraged to pick up things that I had forgotten about and it's a, a great book for you to pick up. Uh, there are children's editions and there are adult editions and there's the Thee and Thou book, one, the very old edition. You can choose but I would encourage you to pick it up and read it. So we've seen something of Paul's background and education. Secondly in the next slide, what Paul became as a fanatical Jew. In a sentence he was a killer a persecutor of Christians and one who stood up strongly for his religious beliefs. And if nothing else, we could at least mirror Paul in that regard. His enthusiasms, enthusiasm in this facet of his life. He was zealous for God. 
So even as Saul, we could mirror that zealousness for God in our life as Christians. But as Paul, as a Pharisee, he was a, an approver of violence, as we read in Acts 7. How Paul witnessed and encouraged the death of the first Christian martyr, Stephen. They dragged Stephen out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid his clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And then we read in Acts 1, on that day of the stoning of Stephen, great persecutions broke out against the church in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 8, verse 2 and 3, while godly men buried Stephen and mourned him deeply, Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. The zeal of this man is seen in his determination, shown in Acts chapter 9 also. Saul was still breathing murderous uh, threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest. He asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, that he might take them prisoners to Jerusalem. Persecution confronts the church of Jesus Christ even today and throughout the world there are those of a different name who persecute the church. Thousands of Armenian churches flee from the Azerbaijan forces. Indian Christians face new challenges with growing restrictions and violence and the Sudan Christians are faced with decades of fierce persecution under Sharia law. North Korea, Christians are starved and tortured and worked to death in political labour camps. And the list goes on. Africa's in a poor state of poverty. We need only to read the articles in Barnabas Press to see the extent of the persecution. We look and see what Paul did, and we think, oh, that was then, but it's still going on today. In Australia also, to a lesser extent, there's a different kind of persecution there are many forms. There's a great deal of intolerance inside and outside the church. Gone are the days when individuals have a right to hold and express their own opinions without some hostile disagreement. Christians today are mocked, sneered at, the butt of jokes. But for you and me, we know that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The Bible us, presents us with a complete and final explanation of this. An end to this suffering and evil. The It's the subject for another, another message. But God has set a day when men and women will face the judgment day. Suffering does hurt, we know that. We've experienced each one of us. But we must never doubt the sovereignty of God. And when we turn back to Saul of Tarsus, we see how God brought a change to the Christian environment through the change in the life of this one man. So Paul's background and education, we've seen something of his fanaticism as a Jew. And now thirdly, Paul, what he became as a result of the hand of God. When Paul decided to carry out his murderous threats north to Damascus, God stepped in and turned Paul's life upside down. 
As Saul approached Damascus, he was suddenly confronted with a light from heaven in Acts chapter 9, verse 3. And he heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul was spoken to by the risen Lord Jesus and told, get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Other men heard the voice but did not see. Saul rose up, was blind for three days. Then God's instrument, Ananias, was asked to speak to him, but he hesitated, knowing the history of Saul. I put myself in Ananias' position, I think, would I have been any different? (laughs) Nevertheless, the Lord said to Ananias, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry out my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my sake. And when Paul Saul became Paul in Acts chapter 13, verse 9, and heard from Ananias, he knew the hand of God had come upon him as Ananias placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then miraculously, scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. He was converted. Well, on that Damascus road, the Lord convicted and converted a sinner and he gave Paul a godly task. Or as Paul put it himself when writing to Galatian church in Galatians 1, 15 and 16, God has set apart. God has set, a, God has set me apart before I was born, and who called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son to me, in order, in other words, it was done with a purpose, that I might preach Him to the Gentiles. Yes, this powerful Jew had seen the risen Lord Jesus. God had chosen him for a special mission to the Gentiles, called him, set him apart for the gospel. Three things, chose him, called him, set him apart, and that's what he has done in your life as well. As a Christian, God has called you, chosen you, and set you apart. Paul's conversion became widely known among the churches, and as we read in Galatians 1.21, later I went to Syria and Cilicia, and I was personally unknown to the churches in Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith. He once tried to destroy, and they praised God because of me. What a tremendous testimony of the grace of God upon an undeserving sinner. That even a persecutor and a violent afflictor of pain could be saved. And you and I, you and I also have a testimony of the grace of God, of the salvation story that we have to tell the nation. It might not be as dramatic as the Apostle Paul. It may not, you may not recall uh, the exact day even or the hour or the events leading up to your conversion. But it was a work of God in your life. The power of God, the Holy Spirit has been at work in your life just as it was Paul, just as it was in Nicodemus, 
just as it was in Lydia, just as it was in the Philippian jailer, just as it was in the person sitting alongside of you who has put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he knew that once he was without hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, he who was once far away had been brought near through the blood of Christ. And we know that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And it reminds me that if God can save a man like Saul, he can save anyone, even the worst of sinners. And perhaps you're one of those you think you are today. Perhaps you think you're unsavable, too sinful, beyond redemption. You've got such a murky past, the deeds are abominable. Hidden from the world, but I tell you this morning, they're not hidden from God. Look no further than the Apostle Paul and take heart. Look unto Jesus and cast your sins upon him, for he alone is Paul's saviour and your saviour this morning. Continue to pray for your loved ones, your friends, because Jesus Christ alone is able to save completely through his substitutory death on the cross, his shed blood. He alone can redeem us from the wrath of God and convict by the Spirit of God, just as Jesus said in John 5, 25, I tell you the truth, whoever, whoever hears my word and believes me, believes him who has sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He is passed over, crossed over from his spiritual death to spiritual life. Yes, there is hope, there is peace, there is joy, there is mercy. It was eternal blessing offered to each one. And that gospel message is a message of forgiveness, a message of redemption, a message of knowing God's love. And we may never doubt his presence daily with us. Continue to pray for those whom you love. Because we know that those of us who are saved, we will rejoice, as with all the churches, and also it'll give cause for the angels in heaven to rejoice as they know that one more has been added to the Lamb's book of life. We've seen something of the background and education. We've seen something of the fanaticism of the Apostle Paul. We've seen what he became as the, as the result of God's hand. And fourth and finally, what Paul became in Christ. Paul's encounter with the risen Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus uh, changed everything. He had received his calling from God to be a proclaimer of the gospel to the Gentiles. In other words, the persecutor was now the foremost spreader of what he once hated, the proclaimer of the Lord Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen. That's what he proclaimed throughout the known world. It was for this man a new beginning, just as he testified it in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Through this Holy Spirit, Paul was able to say to the churches, yes, 
God is the God of the Jews. And yes, he is the God of the Gentiles. He was a man with a, a new life, a new outlook, a new perspective, a new understanding that it was not by works of righteousness that we obtained a right relationship with God, but rather he came to realise in Romans 5.1 that we have been justified through faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful new understanding and blessing that this man had and experienced and that experience belongs to every believer who has and does believe that the wages of death, if sin is spiritual death, not only physical death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Well, what does this change really mean to Paul? What does it mean to us as Christians? What can it mean to everyone who believes this gospel message? Perhaps there are those who are challenged by this message. We can celebrate this morning. We can celebrate every day for what God has given to us. The blessings and assurance of the transition from the wrath of God to the grace of God that transforms both our status and our experience as a believer and we have this blessing and assurance of having, instead of being separated from God and estranged from God, in Romans 3, 10, 17, there is now peace. There is this reconcile, reconciliation between a sinner and a holy God, a permanent access to the holy of holies, a place of falling short of God's glory through sin. There is now the hope of glory. We must... Give glory to God day by day for his goodness and grace to us. And I read not long ago, and we most give glory to God when we are most satisfied in him. We most give glory to God when we are most satisfied in him. And it's a challenge for me. Is that the testimonial of your life? That you are most satisfied in him before any other earthly treasure and we also celebrate the fact instead of the suffering and judgment it is the joy in our suffering because in and through it God produces perseverance and character and hope there's never now any fear of uncertainty there is the assurance of God's love and the continuance of his eternal presence. And so we can note that after Paul's conversion experience on that Damascus road, nothing in his life was the same again. A radical change had come over him. It was a life-changing experience, and he spoke to Timothy about it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, Another purpose clause. The worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example of those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. And later Paul would declare to the Ephesians, I have become a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given me through the working of his power. Although I am the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentile. 
the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul was a converted, convicted, and committed individual, able to testify to the grace and the peace of God. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present age, according to the will of our God and Father, Galatians 1, 3 and 4. And we ought to take heart this morning that we have the same basis for our salvation as the Apostle Paul, as Martin Luther, as George Whitfield, as Jonathan Edwards. The same basis. The same Redeemer, the same Advocate, the same Saviour, the same Lord, the same spiritual blessings in Christ. Reread Ephesians 1. We have the same hope, the same assurance of eternal life, the same confidence that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. One day we'll be with the same heavenly presence of the angels. The elders and the multitude will be singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And you will be in the presence of those who have gone before you into glory. May we prayerfully pray that we may have a pure heart because then we'll see God. Matthew 5, 8. I urge any here today who do not have that confidence, do not have that assurance, do not have that belief or certainty of God's presence or forgiveness or have a right relationship with their maker, look unto Jesus. See your burdens rolled away, washed away by the blood of the Lord Jesus. You can come only as a beggar before your heavenly father, nothing to offer in contribution to your salvation, but only that of a response of repentance and faith in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross who has taken the penalty and the punishment for your sins and cleansed you, cleansed me by his blood. The hymn goes, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Jess is a beggar, helpless, look to thee for grace, foul I to the fountain fly, wash me saviour or I die. Finally in conclusion let me conclude with a picture of this mighty man, mightily used by God, a great pillar in the Christian church, a mighty ambassador for Jesus Christ and the gospel to all the Gentiles. The character and the attitude and the quality and the reputation of the apostle is one to be admired and one to be imitated, but never losing sight of the fact that his eyes were on the Lord Jesus Christ and it was him who he sought to imitate. We don't seek to imitate Paul. We seek to imitate our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's eyes were on the, on the author and perfecter of his faith. The challenge for you and me is to do likewise in this challenging world of anti-Christian behaviour. And since we have been elected and have been called and have been chosen by God, the question for you and for me to answer is, as Jesus said, is there daily evidence of walking in the light as he is in the light? 1 John 1, 7. May God be pleased to make his light to shine upon us, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. 
and with the assurance of the Apostle Paul, who was chosen and called and set apart, that we might with increasing joy know that nothing can ever, ever, ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And my prayer is that we might know with increasing measure how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God that is in Christ Jesus and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with a measure of all the fullness of God. And to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul, who you called to proclaim and to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for Paul's letters contained in the inerrant scriptures and for the instructions and the encouragement given to us today because of the inspiration you gave this man. Paul said, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was risen again. May the love of Christ compel us to live for Christ, to walk in the light of Christ, to appreciate daily the, the wonderful spiritual blessings in Christ and to have that confident assurance. As the hymn writer said, Jesus is mine. And oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. In the name above every name, to him be glory both now and forevermore. Amen.